This message was preached by Napa Preaching Pastor Corey DeForest. It is our hope and prayer that this message is a blessing to you and encourages your walk with Jesus to grow deeper. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. Um, so, compassion. Compassion, as we start our back into the series, um, Story Two Kingdoms, um, we come into... If you, I don't know if you if you've been if you've been following along with us, you've been with us over the last few months and going through this series. Um, you might be thinking to yourself too, like I I hesitate to do, um, but I also think we've talked about this. We've talked about this before. We've talked about compassion before. We've talked about mercy and grace. Like we've talked about even in this series, it is a continuous topic. And so for myself, it's, I want, in a sense, I want to say, okay, so let's, let's try to find something else about this story. Let's try to find a different angle. Or, or is this what Matthew is just trying to beat us over the head with? <laughs> is, he, is knowing that we might tend to be less compassionate people, or maybe we tend to um, maybe look to ourselves or against other people a little bit more often. But really, when we look at the, the arc of Matthew, and we've taught, and I've said this before, but Jesus, as he looked at the Pharisees and taught about the Pharisees and, and looked at what they were doing and what they weren't doing, he mentioned back in chapter 5, there's a big difference to having exceeding righteousness. Like if, if righteousness was completely... Um, it completely hinged on knowing God's word and knowing how to memorize and be able to speak it and knowing the knowledge and the, the background of the, of the Torah and the prophets. And you actually spent your life, your whole life in trying to live it out faithfully forever. Even if you got some things wrong you, did, you didn't know, but even if just trying to do that, saying this is what God said, this is what I'm going to do. Jesus says they're still missing it. They're missing something to have the righteousness that he desires for us to receive and be able to understand and to give. They're missing it. And so we see over and over again in Matthew, as Jesus speaks the word of compassion, or we see him moved with compassion, or we see examples of him showing compassion, it's all over Matthew because Matthew, as a tax collector, as we know, is a definite recipient of someone having compassion on him. He understood from the very beginning as Jesus walks by him and, in, and extends the invitation to him, an invitation that should have never come, should have never been extended, should have never even been thought about. Jesus extends the invitation to him and says, come and follow me. Like, it's, compassion moves people. Compassion on the recipient end transforms people. Like it is a, it is the, we'll say like the log going into the fire for the kingdom that Jesus says, you want to see a world change. You want to see a new kingdom on, just on fire. It won't be done by just the faithful just being faithful to just trying to do their best. It won't be just people continuing to memorize just to memorize. But it is moved by the words, by first the character of God, and then extending that to the people that He loves as He's loved us. Compassion is, 
over and over again. All throughout Matthew, because he wants us to understand. And I think for us, I think it's really important for us to understand first and foremost about compassion is that have we received it? Have we really received it in in our hearts, in our minds, in our soul? Have we grappled with it? Have we come to terms with it? Before we try to even think about what it looks like spending that energy out, outwardly, I think for a lot of us, it, it, can, it, it is hard to realize and come to, to, to terms with it of the compassion that God has for us. Like how he loves us and, and sent his son to die for us. Like we think about it and, we, and maybe it makes you uncomfortable. So we think about it and we're like, that's awesome. I really love that. I want to respond to that, but I'm going to move on. Sometimes that's me. Like I, I don't like to dive deep into a lot of areas a lot for long periods of time. Like, not, like the, give me the knowledge, the understanding, the theology, let's go. I can work with that. Rather than letting it really soak in that it is God's compassion for us. Like knowing everything about us, everything, our secrets and, our, and our, the worst things that we understand and have said and did, maybe just in our minds, and yet it was still the compassion of who He is that motivated Him to do and what He's done for us. I think that take, should take a moment for us. We should be able to wrap our minds around that for a little bit. But then, as we think about it, as God has had compassion, as the video shared, right? That what He expects from His people, and I don't think it's like any time we are to extend God's character and extend what He has done for us, any time that we are called to extend that to the world is not an extension that God, it's not an invitation for us just to follow the rules that God has done for us. But really, to truly love and show compassion and mercy and grace to others has to come from a place where we have first been transformed. Otherwise, we get pretty burnt out. We get pretty tired pretty quickly. Like, when we are just loving out of our own energy, the people that are hard to love, eventually we're just going to throw our hands up. It might not have happened yet. Maybe it's already happened. Maybe the people that are hard to love in your life, you're just like, I'm done. I'm not making the phone call. I'm not showing up. I'm, I've, I've put all the energy into it that I can. Maybe I, the people that, I, that have needed the compassion, I, I'm, I'm done. But I think that there's a difference between trying to just do what Jesus has exampled for us and has commanded of us rather than being transformed what he is and who he is and what he's called us to do. I think we see that in our scriptures this evening. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open those up. John chapter 14 is where we're going to be. Two different, seems like two different stories. and But I think we see the extent the extent of, of compassion, and it's not, and I just want to make it really clear, like right off the bat, when, it, when we're talking about these two stories, no matter where you're at, I don't think that the compassion that Jesus shows 
means that because you might be in a similar situation or because you might be feeling the same things, that now you have to automatically just be like Jesus and do it like Jesus. Again, it's not about being like and doing like if it's done with the wrong motivation. It's truly being transformed, and that takes time. And so I just want to make sure, like, because I think there is, it's really hard. I think Jesus is a great example for us here of what he's called us to be, even in the times that are not the easiest of times to do it. Because it's really difficult. And as we get through this, as we see through this, we're going to see a few things about compassion, I think. And just kind of to kind of lay it out here, because we're going to dive deep into it, I think. For Jesus, I think one of the things that he, as he examples for us, what we learn from him is that compassion, the times where people are in need of compassion, the times where we are in need of compassion, are hardly ever um, times that are convenient. When, like, if we think about the times that you have, where somebody has been in need, it, it usually comes not at the best time in your schedule or the right time in financial places in your life. Like it's not, they hardly ever come in times of convenience. They're not easy. Like it's not, it usually is not just a quick fix and we can just move on. And nor is it cheap. And not talking about cheap when it comes to financial. But it costs. It, like being able to truly show and love compassionately as Jesus loves compassionately, it costs. It costs something. And I think we're going to see through these two stories just how much it does cost. Chapter 14, verse 1, it says, At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in the prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. And so Matthew is telling the story of John the Baptist and how he ended up dying. But he's doing it as it's already happened. Right? You got to, like, breaking down the sentence structure, it's understanding that that Herod is talking about I, this guy Jesus has to be John the Baptist resurrected. Has to be him. Like It doesn't make sense of all the people that are following and the, the buzz that's going around him. It has to be him. But here's the story of how he died. He says, For Herod had seized him, had seized John, and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother's Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they had held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he, that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guest, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it. And they were 
and they went and told Jesus. Pretty terrible, right? We think about, and we were introduced to John the Baptist pretty early on. We know his story. We know his mission. We talked about him even during our our Christmas series, about his purpose and knowing his purpose and living it out his purpose. His purpose was to prepare the path for Jesus. In a way, clear the road, clear the pathway so that, so that people were ready and Jesus could walk through and people would know. It seemed like for me, it's hard to grasp, right? Like this is how John goes out. Like not making a giant theological stand about Jesus or God by a petty woman that just had a bone to pick because he didn't like the way their marriage was. Now this messed up marriage. It's not, but this, this is how John the Baptist goes out. It seems unjust. It seems not right. In the first place, he shouldn't even be in, in prison, most likely. Like nothing about John's placement in prison and his death seems right. And I think that in a lot of ways, and I'm not trying to make it a trying to tie a bow around his death, but again, foreshadowing and clearing the path for an unjust death that Jesus would die as well. Like, it just is crazy. It just doesn't make sense. Like, it just is just like, really? Like, it is bad leadership, even though Herod was trying to be a good leader, right? He was trying to be, like, he knew where to kind of draw the line for a while. He's like, I'm not going to mess with the the Jews. I'm not going to try to get on their bad side. They really adore John and the things that he's doing, so he's just going to be in prison. But then he writes a teenager a blank check. How smart is that? Right? How smart is it to write a teenager, give me, like, I'll give you whatever you want. If you ever, if anybody ever see the movie in the 90s, Blank Check? Yeah. <laughs> like, me, you have it. It was basically that, that concept, right? It was that concept of this kid getting hit, his bike hit by this rich guy. The guy writes a, a check, doesn't put it in an amount, but signs it. The kid goes, buys a big mansion house, and Go-kart, man, I wanted that money so bad to do exactly what that kid did. Like, it was perfect. I want go-karts in my house someday. <laughs> a go-kart track and a slide to it into the pool. Like, we would just do dumb things, right? That's, like, and just think, man, like, that's pretty, like, the, she goes to her mom and says, give me some ideas. And she goes to the darkest places. Don't like this John guy. We want his head. Not just killed, not just he won his head on a platter because he didn't like their marriage. Just doesn't seem right. But Herod, also knowing that if his word doesn't mean anything, his greatest threat to him is his power. If he loses power, then he's got nothing. So he does. Where? How does this lead to compassion? Verse. 13, now when Jesus heard this, as the people went and told Jesus, and when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. He just withdrew. I think this is really important. I think this is really important because in this aspect of, 
us experiencing compassion ourselves, experiencing the love of God ourselves, is that Jesus was no different. God, fully God, yet fully man. He hears the death of, at the very least, a cousin, family. Most likely, one of his best friends growing up, hanging out together. Maybe even more, but also knowing Jesus knowing John's ministry and what he was to do and, and what may, probably was going to be his fate at some point in his life. But he hears the news of John dying. And he, his first, we see his response here. He withdrew from there where he heard it in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Like Jesus needed to mourn. Jesus was hurt. Like I think it, I think it's one of those aspects that like even Jesus himself, right? Like it, when we go through those times of mourning, I think we just need that permission, right? To mourn and not again jump to the quickest response of like it's okay because there's a timeline to all. Like Jesus knew if that John had a timeline but there was, there was going to be separation. There was going to be distance for a while. There was going to be an anger maybe of the unjustness of why he died or understanding what was happening. But I think Jesus understands and I think that's why it's so helpful to understand that Jesus understands mourning like we can sometimes understand mourning. And needing a minute, needing some time away, needing a, a place to just cry out before asking them maybe the questions that we ask. He needed a moment. I don't think it was to be ungodly or unjust or unperfect. But he just felt the things that we feel. He has the same desire when things aren't going well for us to, as we have as well. I think that it's okay to be in those places. I think it's also okay not, to not stay in those places. If Jesus was like, I'm out, I'm done, I'm just going to do this all by myself and I don't need any, my 12 disciples and I don't need to do this. I'm, God, I'm just going to do your will and I'm just going to just basically run, to, run back to Jerusalem and just die. I don't think that that would have been what God desired. But I think it, should, I, it helps me. But I think it is Jesus' examples for us that He is like us, that He was like us. He understands us. And we can mourn, and we can desire a time away. But then things happen. But when, Jesus, when they, the crowds heard, Jesus is in the boat trying to get away, you think if, like, if news kind of got out, that Jesus' cousin, family, best friend just passed away, you might give him a moment. Like, but we're human and we don't often think about others that way, especially if you have Jesus right in front of you and you need healing, right? They're like, I understand, but I need you. And so they followed him. They heard of it and they followed him on foot from the town. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd 
And he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. Like at one of those moments again in, in the character of God, where I think it, it almost, if there was any moment or any time where, or any person that could say, Give me a moment, I'll get back to you tomorrow, it could be Jesus, right? Just even thinking about when we talk about humility and we go to Philippians 2, if there was any, like if there were, anybody on this earth who could say, it's about me, it could be Jesus, but he never did. If there was anybody who could have said, give me the day, give me the day, it could have been Jesus. And so I think there's there's something in that. And I reiterate, it's not to say, this is what Jesus did, so now I just have to go and always be like Jesus. If we're not moved and transformed and doing what Jesus did because of why Jesus did it, it makes no difference. Eventually, it's going to burn out. But I think it does teach us something. It does his compassion on them and healing them as they are in need, even when he is in need. It means that there is something to be done. There's work to be had. There's a way for God to move, even in these moments that are inconvenient tough, hard, costly. God, something's going to happen here. So he had compassion on them and healed them. And now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Not a hard request. A pretty common request. There's nothing about this moment that is not like the, you can't say the disciples are just being dumb or hard headed or just not getting what Jesus is doing this time. Like, day's over. Let's send them home so they can go eat. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. I think Jesus knew there was a teaching moment. <laughs> Here's a teaching moment. It's been a long day. It's been a day that is full of grief. A day when you just wanted a moment. You wanted to be by yourself. And now you got over 5,000 people. Probably closer to 10, right? At least. Begging for your attention. Sometimes when it's hard for us, like in, somebody's in need of something, it's like, oh, that one person. <laughs> 10,000 people probably around Jesus. And the disciples don't make an un, a, a request that's far off. Let them go home. Let's end the day. They'll come back tomorrow. We know they'll come back tomorrow because you're Jesus. 
and they need what you are doing. So let's just do that. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus was moved and motivated with compassion. Like that was that is in the, not even just the healing part, right? It is the feeding of. Like he could have very well have said, "Yes, let's send them off." But saw in the moment, maybe even for the disciples, as they were tired, they were hungry, they wanted some time. They maybe wanted to just spend time with Jesus to help him and be a friend to him. But yet Jesus' motivation, the, the inner of being of who he is, was moved by compassion for them. He saw the people even in the hurt, even in the midst of his pain and, and hardship that he is experiencing, sees the people desperately wanting what he is offering. And they get hungry and they're waiting and we see the story. Jesus says, they need not go away again, right? You give them something to eat. The people are, the people are in need. Fill it. Don't just run away. Don't just try to figure out the quick and easy. Don't just try to make it go away. Like, figure this out. Wrestle with the need. Wrestle with the idea, people coming to you. Because I think for the disciples, this is not necessarily just about a in-the-moment teaching. When I'm not here, and people come to you, how will you respond? When you only have five loaves and two fish, how will you respond to the need and the compassion that is needed for other people? What can you learn here? Jesus was moved and motivated with compassion. And so he did something about it. And I think this is really important about compassion because I think our society has made compassion cheap. It, it's really easy to be compassionate for other people and because all it takes, right, is a like on social media, a share maybe, even if you're feeling rascally about it. Like that's all you need. But yet it has been years, years in the making of us being desensitized to the compassion and need of other people. We have become more self-involved, more about us. The more commercials we see about the needs of others, the more it's now a punchline to a joke than rather actually trying to understand the human hurt on the other side. We have become so desensitized to the needs of people that now... The, the driver of that desens the desensitizing to it was, like, as, we, as you look at studies on it, since the 80s, compassion for people, and if you, I can explain the in-depth, but I'll try it. Since the 80s, the compassion for people has gone down 40% for other people by just how we see the need and want to respond to other people. What started getting more popular in the 80s, 90s, 2000s? It's not just video games. Can't blame that one, necessarily. 
internet, computer, the, the hope that people would be able to connect to each other on the other ends of the world has actually drawn us to be less fully connected and compassionate and empathetic with other people. Because our brains don't know how to compute happy stories and sad stories when it's just a timeline after timeline of things that are right and wrong. Our brains just say it's one thing. And so we get desensitized by it. Now we just scroll by it. School shooting, move on. Hurricane, move on. Not my, like, what? Because it's just an overflow. Overflow. And so how do we then just, are we called to be people that are just desensitized? Or do we have to figure out a way to remove that desensitization? Desensitizing, if that's even a word. Like, do we need to figure out ways to do that? Because if we truly want to be compassionate as our Jesus is compassionate to us, what Jesus' example and what he's invited us into is compassion is not just a feeling, it's an action. In order to show compassion, an action is needed. I love something that Craig Rochelle said. He said, True compassion demands action. And to say you care but not act is to really not care at all. And that might be a little overreach. I'm using a de definitive on that. But I, I think it, it should, like in a sense, wake us up. If compassion, if action is needed, and we don't take any action, do we really even care? And our, but the thing is, is our, our minds are not designed to take in all of the hurt that we hear and see all of the time. We're not designed to be that way. That's not how God designed us. And so what we've seen is also is the removal of interpersonal, person-to-person -person interaction. Like when we are with our friends and they share something that is tragic, it, like it's almost as if we just saw a news event from halfway across the world. And is that really what we are called to? Jesus saw the needs. Jesus saw the hurt. Jesus saw the hunger in the people. Not just the hunger, like the physical hunger, but he saw their, their need for what he was dealing and giving and sharing and inviting them into. He says, let's stay. <laughs> He's the one guy, right? Could have been like, give me the day. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll be here, sunrise, plain bread. We'll figure it out, right? Like, we can figure this out, but not today. So I think for him, I think the, I, I go back and forth. Like, who is this, who is this miracle for? Is it for both? Is it for the disciples or is it for the people? Is it for both? Like, Honestly, like, I more land on this is for the disciples. Even though I think there would have been questions as there's 5,000 people and 12 people dealing the food out, you probably would, there's not a basket big enough to feed that many people without reloading. So that at some point, you're going to have questions. But I think that is not as big of a leap as the disciples are walking through the crowds and just picking into the basket and just never empties. 
And Jesus is saying, like, and it's just going and going and going. And time is just moving and moving. And Jesus is still not getting his rest. And he, like, he, he's like, no, he knows what we're doing here. And it just keeps going. And it doesn't stop. Like, for Jesus, I think for himself, like, as he is, as he is seeing the people and is motivated with compassion, desires in his, in his guts to love and serve these people. In the worst of times, he understands, but I think he desires for us to understand, compassion interrupts, and God works in the interruptions. Like How many times have you not stopped the car to help because it was at the worst possible time? Did it this week. <laughs> Did it this week. Writing a sermon, right? On this. Strange situation, side of the road. My mind justifying why it's fine. Other people, like, it, just keep going. Maybe missed, maybe didn't miss. Who knows? But what we see in, and what he, I think he's trying to help the disciples see, is that this, none of this is convenient. None of the, like, I don't think Jesus is just trying to show off his, his invisible making food powers. Like, I don't think that's his desire here for the people and the disciples. Let me just show you what I can do. Like, 10,000 people to feed is a lot of people and takes a lot of time. It's take a lot of effort. And all you're going to see at the end of the day for the most part, is people being fed, eating, and then probably just going home. Maybe their own minds just exploding to like, do you not understand what's happening here? And I think that's exactly what Jesus is trying to say. And it wouldn't have been done if he just sent everybody home. If you don't stop, how's God going to work? How's God going to be able to show up in this moment when maybe you feel like you are not equipped enough Dude, if there's a hood up on a car, I definitely ain't stopping because I ain't helping. I can't help, right? Like, I just don't know. Like, <laughs> there's nothing about inside of that hood that I know that is going to help you except make, make a worse day for you, right? Like, <laughs> need gas? I'll go get you gas. Like, but what is there, like, if we don't stop, how do we know what God is going to do? And I think that for Jesus and teaching with the disciples and sharing with them, he just wants them to understand. Like if you don't, if you're not moved to even stop, if you're not even moved to be inconvenienced, if you're not moved at all to just to see what can happen here, how are you going to see God work? How are you going to see what God has intended to do? How are you going to see what God desires to do, not just in them and helping them, right? The people are just eating, but who's getting the lesson? The disciples. The other thing I think Jesus is trying to help us see is that compassion cost. It costs time. And I think for Jesus, like that's one area, right? I think for Jesus, his time is not just his day, like in his hour. He, having a, an agenda for the day and just saying, okay, now things are all messed up. I don't think it's about his calendar that is messed up in time. I think his time his grieving, his desire to be alone in prayer with the Father. 
by a cost of what most would say is earned, needed, and should be given. And yet it's taken away. It cost something. It cost time. It cost resources. It cost energy. The, the, the punchline of the like or the share or the comment or the, the quick somebody sharing with you the, just the hurt of life and being like, mm, gonna, I'll pray about that. We'll just... Ever forgot about praying for that? It's, that's cheap. It's about showing up. It's about action. It's about being there. It costs something. As you look at the story of the Good Samaritan, the guy who shouldn't have stopped the enemy of the story in the parable, didn't just stop, but fixed, helped, let him ride in, paid two days' wages. Think about it in our lives. Two days' wages to care for a complete stranger just so he could get well. Above and beyond, it cost us something. Compassion is showing up and letting God work through the complicated. Like it's not convenient. It's not easy. But God is Jesus saying, show up. Show up to the people that are in need and hurting. Show up. And let God see, even if you feel ill-equipped, we don't have the time. Don't have the money. Show up and watch what God can do. And lastly, compassion changes lives. Kind of talked to said it twice, so I won't spend a ton of time on it. But if we look here, the story, thinking about and just trying to revisit and rehash the story that we, maybe you've heard a bunch over your life, or maybe you've never heard it before. Like, it doesn't talk a ton about the crowd besides them showing up at the wrong time, hungry, not bringing their own food. Like, there's a lot of reasons, right? There's a lot of reasons they could have been justified. If they're hungry, why didn't they bring their own food? Why do we have to feed them? Like, doesn't mean it's just because they didn't, like, right? Like, there's a lot of justifications of not being able to show compassion we can come up with. We're pretty smart humans. There's a lot of good reasons to not show compassion in our minds at least. They were responsible and knew they were going to come out. Probably should have prepared better. I think Jesus cared. But it changes lives in that as they experience the miracle, as they are experiencing with loaf after loaf, fish after fish, handing out, and it just not stopping. It's not about the miracle. I think it's the, like Jesus intentionally, I think in a lot of ways, it's just like as you slowly walk through, think about this. Think about what you're doing. Think about, get rid of the justifications. Get rid of all the reasons why you shouldn't stop or why you, shouldn't, you think you shouldn't call or show up or that you're ill-equipped. And wait upon what God and do. 
Because I think for Jesus and what he's kind of prophesying in a way, but also in the real moment here, is that as he is talking about and under, as we understand the keys of the kingdom, the log on the fire that is the kingdom, if it is compassion, if it is showing other people compassion, it is a big deal to Jesus. And it's not found, the keys and the fire is not found in just the, the clean and the ordinary, but they are found when you are emotionally spent physically tired, have nothing left to give, broken and hurting yourself. And you show up anyway. You make the call anyway. You spend anyway. And you see that most of the time, yes, that need has been fulfilled on their end, but the life that really has changed is more is on yours because you understood the cost. You understand the, the sacrifice that it took. They experienced the love and the compassion you get to experience with seeing God work in a completely different way. And so for them, I think for the two people, the guests or the people in the crowd and the, and the disciples, they experience it, but are both changed. And so we, we, I think, first and foremost, must always remember, we have to rely on the compassion of God first. On a daily, on an hourly sometimes basis, minute by minute basis, we must rely on the compassion of God that He has shown us that we are not deserving of anything or more important than anyone, as he made that evidently clear on the cross. That we are all made in his image. All die. He died for all to understand and have that chance. But then as we live in that compassion, then how are we showing it? And who are in need of it? This week, I'll make a challenge. Hopefully, it's not a—I don't—it's not a challenge to just try to get done and try to just do it, like just so I can mark it off the list. But truly, ask God. Truly, spend some time asking. When God, show me a place where I can be moved by your compassion to show your compassion. Like in the moment when it seems like I shouldn't stop or I couldn't stop, like this is myself as much as anybody, right? I need to stop. Just to ask. Just make sure if everything's okay. Make sure maybe they just need prayer. Just stop. Or when somebody calls, or when somebody posts something, rather than just the reply or the like, it's making a phone call and saying, how can we really help? How can we really just, is there anything else we can do? Like taking that next step, asking God to show and let, let that example be in you so that you can be that example for others. And just let God work in that moment. Just really just try to seek out that moment this week. Is there a time, 
It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to cost. And we have no idea. But the biggest life that might be changed in that moment might be yours. Even though you're fulfilling the need of somebody else. But let's fulfill it for their need and what they are needing first. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this message to myself. God, that there's many times where I try to talk myself out of ways of showing compassion or not fully understanding or grasping what it is that you and how you lived it out so perfectly. And it's not that we are ever going to be able to live it out perfectly, but it doesn't mean that we don't listen and hear for ourselves to be transformed by it, to live it. And so, Lord, I'm thankful for that. Thankful for the compassion that you show us. Thankful that it is out of compassion. Jesus went to the cross to, to die for my sin unjustly. Lord, to make us righteous. So that we may be reconciled to you once again. And so, Lord, we give thanks. We give thanks this evening. Proclaim it in the taking of it. That, Lord, we could never, could never earn it, work for it, desire it enough to ever satisfy our debt. Yet Jesus did it. We think about that. Contemplate that this evening through communion. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe. And to find out more about Christian Church, please visit our website at cconline.cc or visit our YouTube page by searching Christian Church Warrington and Napa for more video content.